Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. I am so glad that you decided to listen again. And with me today is a special guest by the name of Clint Callahan. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who Clint is before we dive into our powerful segment today. Clint Callahan is a seasoned social worker and therapist since 2000, over 23 years experience. He has assisted thousands in improving their lives and relationships. He promotes the small changes, big impact, 1% per day transformational system, which offers practical psychological tools to enhance life quality in just 15 minutes a day. Clint's varied expertise includes business management, program design, team collaboration, therapy, crisis management, case management, and EMDR, trauma processing. Having addressed diverse issues like men's issues, military personnel complications, trauma, HIV and AIDS, relationship problems, psychiatric disorders, and substance abuse, his vast experience equips him to expertly tackle these challenges. So without further ado, I want to welcome the man behind it all, Mr. Clint Callahan. Thank you. Sounds like I actually know stuff. Well, I guess I'll see if I can make that uh, make that a reality. <laughs> I'm sure you know stuff that you are a SME in. So yeah. let's unpack that for our lovely audience today. And I always like to allow my guests to connect with the audience in a fun and personal manner. So we could either do a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid, or an mm-hmm. icebreaker. What are you in the mood for? I like rapid fire. Let's go. Here we go, y'all. We're playing rapid fire with Clint and Genesis. Do 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 do. Question number one: What's one thing that people take for granted when they talk to a social worker? That our training is not just about mental health, but it's about the health of the person in the environment. Where we don't just look at how you're doing mentally, but that we look at how everything goes around you cause some of the mental stuff that's going on because we don't live in a vacuum question number two where'd you go to school university i went to school uh depends on which one i got my bachelor's at chadron state college and i got my master's at walla walla university in washington okay question three what's your drink of choice guinness or scotch i'd say one of those two Question four, what's one of your favorite quotes? One of my favorite quotes, actually, I have it on the wall behind me, but the funny thing is I can't remember it right now. <laughs> uh, it's, but one of my favorite poems is actually the one by Robert, Robert Frost, Our Road Less Traveled. I like the two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has been the one that has made all the difference. That's one of my favorite quotes from Robert Frost. Thank you for sharing. Question five, what made you get into social work? That will take longer than a rapid fire question. Um, I got into social work because when I was a child, I was bullied a lot. And because of that, I became really angry. And because of that, my parents sent me to therapy. And because of that, I learned that feelings are actually more than three feelings. It's not just happy, sad, and angry. And so that really got me really interested in how people are, why people are the way they are. Okay. Question six. 
Name one thing that you have done in your life that was crazy on the outside looking in, but it actually built character. Uh, when I moved in with my best friend after going after after being there with graduate school, he was a scuba diving instructor and said, the only way I get to move in is if I learn to scuba dive. So I learned, so basically I moved in and the next week I spent $3,000 I didn't have to get enough gear to go scuba diving. But that's also been the thing that I love, I've loved most about just the things I've gotten to do in my life is that. Love it. Question six. No, yeah, question seven. My bad, y'all. What is one <laughs> word to describe you? Sarcastic. Question eight. Favorite movie or book? Ooh, that's a hard one. I love to read right now. I am reading the Jack Reacher series. So I love Jack. I love the Jack Reacher series. And I love the new Amazon um, Prime special for Jack Reacher. I think they did a fantastic job. Okay, Jack Reacher, y'all. Question nine. What was your favorite childhood candy? Still my favorite childhood candy today, Zots. Zots? I haven't yes. heard of Zots. What's Zots? So Zots, basically, it's like a hard candy, but you eat it, and on the inside, it breaks open and makes this crazy, fizzy, like it's like a giant pop rock. It's like that. Okay. Awesome. I know pop rock, so I'm going to have to look yes. up Zots. Yeah. And question 10, it is our pass or play question, and here are the rules. If you mm -hmm. pass, our roles are reversed, and you could ask me a question. If you play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So are we passing or playing? I'll play. Let's go. Okay. Question 10. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Flight. Okay. Fly. Yeah. I'd okay. Fly. <laughs> I would love I that. Just make sure to keep my mouth shut so I don't get any bugs in my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you for playing Rapid Fire. Clint, audience, I hope you learned a little bit more about who Clint is. Now we're going to segue into the topic today, which is around mental health and, you know, checking in not only just mental health from a holistic view, but I also want to check in a little bit about bullying because Clint did mention that he was bullied whenever he grew up. So I think, you know, people pleasing can come out of that too. So we're going to, you know, do a little bit of interweaving here. So follow us because we're going to talk about people pleasing, bullying, and mental health because whether you think about it or not, they all can be intertwined. So Clint, let's first start with unpacking some definitions here because there's a lot of misnomers when it comes to mental health as a whole. Mm -hmm. So from your background professionally, what is mental health? Sure. Mental health is your ability to have resiliency during any situation. That's what mental health is because Mental health comes from multiple different avenues when you really look at it, because when you're with your family, mentally, you're different. When you're with your friends, mentally, you're different. When you're at work, mentally, you're different. So it still comes back to the environment that you're in affects the way that you perceive the situation, because ultimately, that's what it is. Mental health is the story that you tell yourself in the situation that then leads to your perception of the situation, because that is the hardest thing for people to recognize is that right now I'm telling myself a story. The story I told myself just before we got on was don't screw this up. 
I said that to myself like 15 times. Why are people going to listen to you? You're, you don't really know what you're talking about. Why, why would anyone listen to you, right? That's what the story was in my head. And I had to say, no, I've been doing this for 23 years. I've been on a couple of podcasts. I know how to talk to people. I talk to people all day long. Mm-hmm. What's different? Well, there's a camera pointed at you, okay? And well, that means it's going to be recorded, which means any screw up you do is now forever. Oh no, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that space, it was, I had to change the way I was thinking. I had to change the story that I told myself because that story would have made me paralyze, freeze, say something bad, not want to talk, not want to engage, and just feel just stuck and afraid and frozen. And that's what mental health is. It's the story we say changes our reaction in the moment. But you know what the best thing about the story is? You're the storyteller. That means you get to rewrite the story anytime you choose to. You can stop and say, wait a minute, I don't want to go down that road. I know where that story leads. I don't like going off that cliff that leads me into depression, that leads me into anxiety, that leads me into these places I don't want to be. I like that because people fail to realize that our thoughts are so powerful and they can definitely shape our perspective and change our vantage point on how we see things, whether it's externally or internally, because whether you realize it, sometimes you see things internally before it materializes externally, Mm -hmm. because we begin to conjure up certain thoughts into our mind and they become reality. But then whenever that reality comes into fruition, you're like, oh my gosh, did did I speak this into existence or did I think Mm -hmm. it into existence? Or sometimes you think about things in your mind, but then physically they're not real there because it's Mm -hmm. your own mind skewing certain things and that's a part of you know mental health and whenever I think about mental health um Clint I think about it in all forms and facets like Mm -hmm. physically emotionally spiritually and um all of them you know play into each other because Mm -hmm. okay how you show up physically can also be how you show up mentally can also be how you show up in your spiritual walk on all, all over. So another question is with you being a social work, a therapist mm-hmm. and et cetera, how important is it to have boundaries in your life in order to protect your mental health? Without boundaries, you don't have mental health. That's what it comes down to because we as human beings for 185,000 years have been evolving towards today. But the problem is that 185,000 years, 184,500 of them was hardcore survival, where you literally, some places in the world, it's still like that, where you have to work and do stuff 20 hours a day to maybe get two meals a day, to maybe make it to the next day. And it's in those kind of things that it creates those issues. And that's why having these boundaries here in our present day life are so important because here, how many things want your attention right so now? Many. How so many. So many. Right? Let's see. On my phone right now, I probably have got 75 emails. I've probably got four or five different Facebook requests. I've probably got eight or nine probably Instagram requests. I probably got a text from one of my kids wanting something from me. And I probably, and also I have to get ready because we're going to have dinner soon. So I need to be getting ready to go home, right? All of, so there's all these things that want my attention right now. 
But my boundary is, no, I'm, I promised you that I would sit here and do this. So I'm going to be here 100% to be present with you because to not do that would not only be a disservice to your time, but to my time as well. And that's what boundaries are really about. One of the hardest places to do boundaries is with, is with family members, especially because oh, yes. we often think that, well, they're family, so they won't take advantage of me. And I'm like, uh, no, that's not the case. Family are people too. They have their own agenda. They want what they want the way they want it. And so if they can get you to do things the way they want you to do things, it makes their life easier. But what does it do to your life? And that's why boundaries are very important because if you don't have good, strong boundaries, if you don't know, and guess where boundaries come from? You have to know you. If you don't know yourself, if you don't know what your values are, if you don't know what you desire in those moments, your boundaries become watery. They become easy to breach. So you have to know who you are and what you want and what you're willing to accept and not accept in each situation, which is a difficult process to do. But the more you know yourself, the less difficult it is because you can tell yourself, this is not me. This is not who I want to be. This is not how I want to interact with this person. I'm going to say no. And that is the most powerful word you can use. If you say no and you follow through and you leave, they have two choices. They either accept it or they try to chase you down. And then you know exactly what's going on with them. Exactly. And boundaries, y'all, is a sign of setting up respect for yourself, but also ensuring that those who are a part of your life are also honoring that respect for mm -hmm. you as well. And the minute that someone cannot respect your boundaries, they don't respect you because your boundaries are tied to you. And I also think if you're listening and you say, well, I do have boundaries, but if you are trying to people please, then you really don't have boundaries because people pleasing is going against the boundaries that you have for yourself because you're saying no in some areas to say yes in others. And when you say yes in those areas, it's also waiting on you mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually because you're doing things that you don't really want to do, but because you don't want to let that person down, you bend and twist at your personal boundaries in order to ensure that person does not feel bad or that person does not look at you differently and I think you know part of people pleasing comes manipulation because that person knows how to manipulate you into doing something that is conducive for their benefit not your benefit so Clint can you elaborate on that from people pleasing and some of the things that you may have experienced with mm -hmm. some of your clients without you know sharing anything confidential of course yeah, of course so people pleasing, the most interesting thing. So the one I wanted to follow up on the boundary thing, because I, I thought of a quote that I read recently, which I really like. Boundaries are not saying, boundaries are not saying that you can't. Boundaries are saying, I won't accept it. It's that thing. It's not, you're not telling other people what they can or can't do. You're saying, this is what I agree to. And the people pleasing piece, that's the part where you, where that gets blurry because when you're people pleasing, what you're doing is you're looking at the other person and trying to figure out what do I think they need from me in this moment so that they will continue to like, love, honor, respect me in some way, which the problem is that's how you perceive it when you people please, but that's not what you're getting. What you're getting is them getting you to do what they want at the expense of yourself. 
and that is one of the hard things. And I'm a recovering people pleaser. I'm totally fine with admitting it. And I've done that. That happened because of the bullying in school, because it taught me amazing skills of being able to read people and understand emotions and help me well in my chosen profession. But the problem with that was it also made it where when I first met my wife, one of the first things she told me was, I need you to push back. I need you to have an opinion about things. I need you to not just be like, yeah, okay, whatever you want, I'm fine with it. She's like, I need you to have an opinion. Problem with that is I'm also just a really chill guy. So I really don't have a lot of opinions about things. But because she said that, I really try to make sure that I do. If I have an opinion, I say, I speak up, I say it now. And that was a really hard thing for me to do because the fear is if I speak up and I'm wrong, then that means you're gone. That means you're done. That means you're now going to leave me. That means now I did something so bad because I had my own idea that now I don't get to be around you anymore. And that's the biggest fear of people pleasing is that me having an opinion, me having an identity for myself, me not just doing whatever you want to do will have you say, I don't want to be around you. But the question you have to ask yourself is, is that a person that I really want around me? That they're willing to just drag me around with them because I'll say yes. Mm. Let's pause there for a for a minute and let's let that marinate, y'all, because I feel like in today's society, society isn't doing us a disservice when it comes to mental health because society is putting out so many probes out there for us to feed into and to condition our mind to think a certain way that we're living in fear we have Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome we're people pleasing we're doing all of these things whether you are IC individual contributor whether you're a business owner looking at other Mm -hmm. business owners within your industry whether you are a wife, a husband, a kid, a friend, or whatever, we're always trying to one-up somebody because of what we see in television, because it's telling Mm -hmm. us a vision, what we see on social media, what Mm -hmm. we see in our family, which could be generational lineage that is passed down, where we Mm -hmm. never stop to think or ask a question because we haven't been program to do that what about if it's time for you to deprogram the things that you have learned or do a rca root cause analysis mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. why you think a certain way why you feel a certain way in order for you to become in tune with yourself and do that self-reflection and that mm-hmm. internal exercise in order for you to show up as your authentic self And I feel like once we start to really show up as our authentic self, then this right here, this mind will begin to shift. And when this mind shifts, we're going to have clarity and focus in order Mm -hmm. to thrive in our mental health. Would you agree with that sentiment, Clint? Oh, I would agree 100% with that sentiment. Because for me, I know for me, it took me until I was like 38. And this is after I've been a social worker for, what was that now? 15 years. I've been a social worker for 15 years and it took me until I was 38 to go, oh, wow, I'm still people pleasing. Oh, wow. I still feel like like an imposter. Oh, wow. I'm still dealing with anxiety. Oh, I'm still dealing with depression. Oh, I'm still doing and being in this way that I don't want to be. So when I, that happened after 
So my mom died in 2005, and then in, so I got out of, so it burned me out. So I was out of social work for a couple of years, and I got into real estate. And then the 2008 market collapse happened, and then my wife and I, with our newborn son, had to move in with her parents, which major humbling experience because we lost everything. And so in that moment, I had to decide, how am I going to change? Who do I want to be? Is this the kind of man I want to be? Is this the kind of husband I want to be? Is this the kind of father I want to be? Do I want to be checked out? Do I want to be disconnected? Do I want to keep trying to please everybody else while putting myself last? Is that who I want to be? And the thing that I found is that making the small changes, which is why we're the name for my my life coaching program came from, was I started making those small changes every day of just doing meditation, being in perspective, journaling, doing these different things to remind myself that what people want more than anything is to be seen for who they are as they see themselves, not as, uh, as other people see them, but as how you see you. And that's a very, it's a scary thing to admit because a lot of us are afraid that if other people see who I really am, they won't like what they see. They won't like me. They'll reject me. And so since, since I was 38, I have really, really tried to just be me. The me that is here with you is the me that I am with my clients. It's the me that I am with my kids. It's the me that I am with myself, my friends, with everybody, because it's always me. I'm the only, th- I'm the only constant in any of those equations. If I'm not there, then I don't know what's going on. So that's what it is. It's We are all starving for authenticity. We're all starving for connection in a real and authentic way. And the problem is the wonderful tech companies have used psychology, neurobiology, have used all these wonderful skills that they have access to because they have oodles and oodles of money to make these devices ping the parts of our brain, our ancient brains that say, you just made a great connection. Good for you. Good job. You should do that a thousand more times because it goes this fast. It disappears that fast. Dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, gone. That's how fast it goes. That's why when you figure these things out and you recognize these things, that's why this kind of connection, face-to-face, talking to people, even over a screen like this, is better than just scrolling and clicking like, just scrolling and clicking heart, just doing whatever you do on social media, because that gives you the ping and it gives you the warm, fuzzy feeling of I made a connection, but did you really? How many of these people, if you had a 3 a.m. crisis, would show up at your house and do whatever they could to help you? That is the thing you need to think about. Wow. All of those are valid points because we have lost, like, in a sense, we've lost a human connection in humanity because AI, RPA, Mm -hmm. that's robotic processing automation, y'all. There's so many things that are being done instantly at our fingertips that we forget to have that human connection. And we also sometimes are so busy with the hustle and bustle that Mm -hmm. we forget to stop, pause, and recollect. Recollect our day, recollect our thoughts, be in tune with our body. You know, there's so many fast food restaurants there because we're all so busy. You just drive through a fast food. If you don't Mm -hmm. want to do that, you can have your food delivered. If you don't Mm -hmm. want to do that, you could have, you know, all of these things that is taking meals. Yes. And, you know, I'm guilty of instant meals sometimes because I'm a mom, (laughs) but not all the time because I have to really, you know, check back into myself. But I also like the fact 
that you just got real and raw and my condolences to you even though your mother passed like no matter how much time goes on whenever there are certain significant moments mm -hmm. in life you think about those memories that and that bond that you have with your mom I lost my dad mm -hmm. it'll be three years this November mm -hmm. and it was so hard and then mm -hmm. just your humbling experience of having to lose everything to move in with your in-laws definitely brings you down to your knees for you to really you know, mm -hmm. do some self-reflection. How many people would you, you know, if you had the opportunity to give up everything to humble yourself and move in with your in-laws, you really have to like your in-laws in order to put up with certain things or, Not or whatnot. Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do it. But luckily, luckily, I'm very lucky that my in-laws were amazing people and they were gracious enough to do that. And we were able to get that figured out. We had to live with them for about a year and a half. So it was, it was testing and it was trying at times, but at the same time, it allowed me the space and the freedom to stop and to really look at who did I want to be? What did I want to do? How did I want to change myself? And that's where I began doing a lot of mindfulness exercises. I started meditating. I started doing a lot more journaling. And I'm, mm -hmm. and as I've continued to grow through this process, I've learned that meditation and breath work and those kind of things yeah. have scientific merit that journaling has scientific merit and so one of my favorite exercises to teach people is when you're feeling emotionally out of sorts when you feel like just everything is just going off the rails and you don't know what to do that's the fight or flight that's the biological fight or flight response that's being fueled by the psychological story you're telling yourself so the first thing you do to turn down, to turn off the biology piece is you do box breathing. And box mm -hmm. breathing is a really simple process where you take a deep breath for four, you breathe out for four, you take another deep, you, you take another deep breath for four, and then you breathe out for four. Mm -hmm. And you do those things and it creates the box just like yeah. she did. And what that does is that sign you up four times and that scientifically resets your parasympathetic nervous system. So it stops your body from producing cortisol norepinephrine, adrenaline, all these things that are dumping into your body yeah. because your body is telling your brain, there's a tiger, there's something physical that's trying to kill me right now, even though it's all in your head. Your brain doesn't know the difference between a tiger that's in your brain and a real tiger sitting behind you. And so you start with that process and then you do, so that's why you box breathe, you do two minutes of journaling where you write the story your brain is telling you, then you go do a little exercise, go do some speed walking, go do a push-up, do a couple sit-ups, go do something like that, yes. and then come back and read what you wrote. This takes about six to seven minutes to do, but when you do that, you're now attacking this feeling that is feeling overwhelming in the moment from the psychological, the physiological, and the mental and emotional. So you're hitting it from all the different sides to say, this is not my reality. This is not real. This is fake news in my own brain. Yes, so true. And one thing y'all that has helped me is with the box breathing method, do it with your eyes closed so you could kind of shut out some of the, you know, distractions and do it in an area where you're alone by yourself. So the, the surroundings by you are not causing you to distract or not complete your session. And also pay attention when with your body, like um, for those of you that may be 
watching this video later on is like whenever you are breathing pay attention to how your shoulders feel do you have any tension in that area pay attention to your neck your back and really tap into your entire body because then you could see where those areas of tension are and then you could begin to work on those whenever you go do your exercise component and I think that's important not only are you focusing on your box breathing and you're really being intentional in the moment then you journal about it as Clint said, and then you exercise, whether you do yoga, brisk walking or whatnot, but also getting out in nature and connecting in nature is so vital because we need vitamin D, we need to pay attention to, you know, our surroundings and all of those other things will definitely help you with your mental health and the different capabilities, which you don't think you have, but you really do have once you tap into yourself and do the internal work. And Clint, I know we're coming close to our time commitment. So I want to throw you an audible here and ask you, is there something that I have not asked you related to people pleasing, mental health, or some of the areas that you focus on that you want to share with the audience today? You also said you want to talk a little bit about bullying. So I'm going yes. to talk about that really quick. So the main thing about bullying that people need to remember is the hardest thing about being bullied is trying to recognize and have empathy for the person that's bullying you. Because more often than not, the reason why they're bullying you is because bad stuff is happening in their life. And it's the only way that they can find some kind of control. That doesn't mean you have to accept it. It doesn't mean you have to be silent about it. It doesn't mean that you don't have, that you can't say stuff. But you also finding empathy within yourself while also trying to get out of the situation allows you to then have a different perspective of this person. But that still doesn't mean that you have to be friends with that person, that you have to have that person in your life or any of those things. For me, my bullying experience was, it was individually my friends were my friends, but as a group, I became the scapegoat and I became the target of bullying. And that's the part that was the most frustrating because it confused me because how could you one moment be my best friend and the next moment be the ringleader that is now basically taking all the stuff that I was insecure about and use it against me. And so that created the confusion, but it also allowed me to recognize that it never is just about you and the bully. It's always about what's the environment the bully's in? What's the environment that you're in? How can you extricate yourself and separate yourself from those moments so that you don't have to continue to suffer in that moment. That's why I'm so grateful that there's anti-bullying laws and that they're as strong as they are in a lot of parts of the country because it's so necessary. Because now bullying can, for me, bullying only stayed at school. Mm -hmm. But now bullying can follow you into your home and into your phone and into your computer and into your room and into your life all the time. So if you have kids that are bullying or you're a part of bullying, just be aware of that and recognize that you don't have to accept it, that you can break out of it, and that you can just say, no, I'm putting up a boundary. You and I are no longer friends. If you get it together, maybe we can talk again. But right now, no, we're done. Mm -hmm. 
And then I would also say with bullying too is know, know that you do have help out there and asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength because you recognize that you need help, whether it's talk therapy, whether it's, you know, getting help with, you know, a professional, because sometimes talk therapy could be with a person that you trust, but they may not be a professional to help you navigate with certain tools and modality. So that's important. And then um, Clint also mentioned having empathy, but know the difference between empathy and sympathy, because sometimes people confuse the two and people aren't asking you to feel sorry for them. They're asking you to kind of understand and put yourself into their shoes as if you would want them to do the same for you, vice versa. And that's a part of empathy. And that's a part of you being a human and having that connection. Another thing too, that I want to highlight about bullying, because I was bullied in high school and I did go through, you know, a minor form of depression and it totally sucks. Mm -hmm. But whenever you go through that, realize that it's not something that's wrong with you. It's something that's wrong with the other person. And sometimes they see something inside of you that causes them to feel inferior, that's playing into their insecurities while accentuating some of the insecurities that you may have. So also, whenever you're going through that, is just realize that, you know, you are created for a purpose, on a purpose, and you have something valuable that someone cannot obtain from you monetarily or physically so if they can't they're going to play into your physical or mental or emotional insecurities in order to bring you down where you're second guessing who you are when in actuality stop asking what you are and start knowing who you are and how you want to show up for the world and I just wanted to leave that there because I need to you know be respectful of our time commitment and Clint uh, we're not going to let this conversation stop here. I'm definitely going to have to have you back for another part, but I do want you to share how the audience could connect with you. What's your website and what is your call sure. to action? Sure. So if you're feeling burned out or that you're failing in several areas of your life, I know you can make a change in hundred days because that's what I went through. And it all, it really takes taking accountability and using proper clinical psychological tools to make the small changes in each of the four main areas of your life which is your time, how you connect with people, your emotions, and your purpose. So that takes about 15 minutes a day, and your life will be unrecognizable in 100 days. And that's what I'm trying to teach people, because it is all about being mindful and being present. So if you're exhausted and you're tired of feeling burned out or feeling stuck, you can find me at smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info. On that website, you can get more information there's a link to a free 20-minute training on burnout. There's a short ebook on burnout. Or there's also, you can, you can call me. There's a place there where you can schedule a call to have a conversation because I love talking to people. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at smallchangesbigimpact.thenumber4 and the letter U. And on those, I post you know just videos about two to three minutes that talk about different therapist thoughts that I have throughout the course of a day to help people kind of get a different perspective on the way things are, could, and what they want them to be. I love it, y'all. And you just heard Clint Callahan and Genesis Amaris Kemp. So call him maybe, hey, you just met him and this may be crazy, but he's ready to get in your corner and support you in all areas when it comes to mental health. We don't want you to do life alone. We want you to do life together with people who see you, hear you, 
and they want you to soar like an eagle in all areas of your life. So don't let this conversation stop here. Make sure you share with the family members and friends. Hit that like and subscribe button. We're available on 40 plus audio platforms and the video could be found on our YouTube channel by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kent. And my big ask is for brand sponsors. It does take monetary resources to fuel the mission and movement to bring you content that's educational, inspirational, and motivational, while also weaving in D, E, I, and B, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it takes all of us coming together to create synergies to make this world better than we found it. So until next time, make sure you take a bet on you. Don't stop chasing the dreams that you desire. And remember, how can you have a dream if you don't turn it into a reality? Hmm. Think about it and let us know what you like and what you don't like. We are here for you. We love you. We see you. We salute you. So believe in yourself. Until next time, have an amazing day.